Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the family uh, ministries pastor here, and it's great to be able to speak to all you big kids this morning. Uh, usually I'm downstairs talking to the little kids. Um, I have a question to kick things off, and that question is, have you ever received bad directions before? <laughs> have you ever seen bad directions? Maybe some of you even this week. <laughs> I remember this one time uh, when Tanya and I, we were invited to a wedding. It was taking place in the middle of nowhere. Uh, this was before we had kids, even before the age of smartphones. And uh, we had directions to the receptions afterwards, and it seemed pretty straightforward on the paper we were given. Uh, it said stuff like, from the church, just make a right on this street, and a left on this street, and then one more right, and the location's right there. Uh, but after driving for about 10 minutes without hitting that first right, we got a little panicky uh, and started second-guessing ourselves. Uh, did we miss the turn? Uh, we were going to end up hopelessly lost on these country roads. And as it turns out, the directions were accurate, okay? Uh, but what seemed to be on paper to be like a five-minute drive from the church uh, ended up taking more than 30 minutes. Uh, and we had to do a lot of guessing, a lot of panicking along the way. Uh, just this summer, uh, I again was given some bad directions where someone, uh, I'm just checking the room to see if she's here. She's not. We'll call her, we'll call her Jay Wagar, okay? Uh, she sent out an address of a place we were supposed to meet for a pastor's network meeting in Merrickville. But as it turns out, the number didn't exist on that street. Uh, so after doubling back a few times, back and forth, a few carloads of us just had an impromptu meeting at the side of the road in front of these strangers' houses uh, and sent some frantic text messages to try to figure out what the right address was. Uh, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been given bad directions before. Um, this morning, we're right on the edge of a new year uh, where a lot of people tend to think about the direction of their lives and uh, what they should do in the new year ahead. Uh, and this morning, I thought it would be good for us to think about what God wants us to do this year. Uh, now, I realize that sounds like a pretty big list, but I'm going to talk about one specific thing. Uh, what does God want us to do this year? Where does God want us to go? What plans or directions does he have for us? I am someone who really enjoys planning and mapping things out as much as possible. Uh, for example, in the summer, I generally plan out the entire upcoming year for our youth group, where I know like all the topics and all the themes we're going to touch on for the upcoming year. Uh, and even though those plans might change a little bit as we go, I find it really helpful to have a map and to have like a sense of direction, knowing where I'm going to be headed. Uh, on the flip side of that, I've known some youth pastors, especially those who are just starting out, uh, who don't really plan things out like that. And sometimes they're asking themselves on a Tuesday what they're going to be talking about on a Friday. And they quickly learn that that's just not sustainable. Uh, that's a dangerous game to play, by the way. Pro tip for you out there. This morning, we're not going to be able to plan out our year to that extent. Uh, but I do want to talk about something that's been on my heart for the last few months. Uh, something that I've talked about at Catalyst, our youth program, a fair bit. Uh, and I believe it's something that God wants all of us to do in this upcoming year. Uh, the title of my talk uh, this morning is, Where Do I Go From Here? 
Uh, and we're going to kick things off by checking out one of my favorite Bible passages. And if you have a Bible, either a paper version or on your phone, uh, we're going to be reading from Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. Uh, if you use the Version Bible app, uh, you can follow along with our message notes through that. I do have the words on the screen as well. Uh, Acts 8, 26 to 40. Uh, and in this Bible passage, uh, we're going to see how God gave some pretty amazing directions to one of his followers and what that means for us as we head into 2024. Acts 8, 26 to 40, I'm going to read it. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I really love this passage. Okay, here God gave Philip some very specific and supernatural directions to help someone along in their journey of faith. Uh, Philip was someone who was traveling around, telling people about Jesus. And in fact, in the very start of this chapter, we learn that he was in Samaria, that many were coming to faith in Jesus. They were experiencing healing and all kinds of miracles. But then an angel appears to Philip and tells him to leave this place of successful ministry where all these good things are happening and to head out on a desert road. Uh, and for Philip, it might not have made a lot of sense to go out in the middle of nowhere, uh, but he followed the angel's directions. And then when Philip saw this, this chariot traveling on the road, he sensed the Holy Spirit telling him to go up to the chariot, and he did. And it was through this encounter that this Ethiopian official who had a lot of questions about God and faith became a believer in Jesus, and was baptized. And uh, the thing I want us to talk about today uh, is that like Philip, God wants us to help others along in their journey of faith. Like Philip, God wants us 
to help others along in their journey of faith. You know, all through the Bible, we're told that God wants us to be like Philip. And I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture here. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here we're reminded to live out our faith everywhere we go, and that when we do, it'll be obvious to people, like a city shining on the top of a hill, that there'll be something different about us, that people will see Jesus in us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here it's saying that we are God's official messengers, his representatives, his spokespeople, and that God wants to use us to help people come to know him. In Romans 10, 13 to 15, Paul writes this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Here the Bible says that we have some pretty good news. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's not a lot of hoops we have to jump through, right? We just have to call out to him. But we need to actually share that good news, to tell others, to go where God wants us to go, instead of maybe just sitting on that good news or keeping quiet about it, keeping it to ourselves. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Here we're reminded that sharing our faith, helping others come to know Jesus, isn't just the job of the heroes of the faith in the Bible, like Philip, or even the professionals, you know, pastors who've been uh, trained to do that kind of thing. But it refers to every Christian as a priest. Every single one of us is called to help connect people to the God who loves them. We're called to spiritually care for others. And I believe that this is something that God wants us to do in the coming year. Uh, that this is some direction that he wants to give us as a church.
He wants us all to be like Philip in the lives of our friends, our families, our co-workers, or the people who just happen to be in our orbit at any given time. So this morning, I just want us to unpack what happened to Philip in Acts chapter 8, and to give you some helpful and maybe practical tips to help you do what God wants you to do. Uh, And the first thing I just want to talk about is the importance of prioritizing your spiritual health. Prioritize your spiritual health. Would you say that you're spiritually healthy? Uh, That things are right between you and God? That you're growing and thriving in your faith? 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Here, Here we're reminded that we need to ensure that things are right between us and God, and that we need to be prepared to help people who might have questions about life, and God, and faith. I think it's kind of obvious, based on our passage, uh, that Philip was prepared. He was prepared. He had a close relationship with God, and he could clearly hear God's voice and God's leading in his life. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He sensed God's presence in his life in a very real way. Philip also had a deep understanding of his faith. He knew what he believed and why he believed it. When this Ethiopian official had questions about something he was reading in the Old Testament, Philip was familiar with the passage. Uh, He understood it. He knew that it was talking about Jesus, and he was able to help connect the dots and explain what it meant. In fact, it seems he explained even more than what this passage lets on because it was through this conversation that the Ethiopian official came to faith and wanted to be baptized. Philip likely told him what baptism meant, why it was important. Over the last few months, uh, our family has had a cycle of sickness. Maybe you've been there. Uh, Including us all having the stomach flu at the same time. Uh, It was not fun. And uh, let me tell you, when you're sick yourself, when you're not feeling well, cleaning and cooking and helping other sick people is the worst, okay? It is. Like, sometimes it seems impossibly hard, especially if you have kids to care for, right? The most loving parent can be just like, no, get away, right? Well, if we're spiritually sick, you know, if maybe things aren't right between us and God, uh, if we've got unconfessed sin in our lives, or if we're not really growing in our faith, then how in the world can we be a real help to other people who are far from God? I want to encourage you this year to prioritize your spiritual health. What does that look like? Maybe it means being a part of a Bible study or a small group. Spending a few minutes each day with a devotional so you can think about what God's Word is saying uh, to you that day. You can pray about it. Listen to Christian teaching. Listen to a Christian podcast. Take time to worship God on a regular basis. Be a part of church community. When we're growing and thriving in our faith, 
we'll be more prepared and equipped to help others. And we'll sense God's presence and his leading and direction more in our lives. You know, when that connection between us is good and strong, we might not have an angel clanging a cymbal to get our attention, although that would be pretty cool. Uh, But we'll hear the Holy Spirit prompting us and speaking to us and leading us. But that kind of thing doesn't just magically happen any more than, you know, spending every night on the couch with some snacks is going to help you lose weight, right, and feel good about yourself, right? It requires a little bit of effort on our part to ensure that we're spiritually healthy. It is really easy to let things fill up our time, you know, draw our attention away from our own spiritual care. Uh, We're all so distracted. You know, we often feel that we don't have enough time to do all the things that we need to do. But I just want to let you know this morning that the effort is worth it, not just for our own benefit, but so that we're equipped and prepared to be a help to others. Prioritize your spiritual health this year. Second thing I want to mention is to pray that God would open up opportunities for you to show and tell your faith. Pray that God would open up opportunities for you to show and tell your faith. One thing that I love about this passage is that God led Philip to be in the right place at the right time to help answer someone's questions about faith. God set this whole thing up. He made the appointment. And because Philip was close to God, he saw what God was doing, and he knew that this wasn't just some kind of accident or coincidence. In the same way, I really do believe that we are where we are for a reason. You're in your school for a reason. You're in your workplace for a reason. You're in your neighborhood for a reason. And we need to pray that God would open up opportunities for us to live out our faith and share our faith and simply be open and honest with others about what we believe when those opportunities arise. Sometimes I think we assume that the people around us just don't want to hear about faith stuff or they're closed off to it. You know, uh, in fact, just this week I was talking to a young person who is saying that the reason they don't talk about church is because they just don't think their friends are going to be interested, right? Sometimes that's the truth. Sometimes we might assume that people around us don't want to hear it, right? Or we might think that they might be offended. And while we should never be pushy pushy or forceful when we talk about Jesus or be really heavy-handed in our approach, complete silence isn't all that helpful either. Uh, And this story in Acts reminds me that what we see or assume on the outside might not reflect what's going on on the inside. This Ethiopian official was from a different culture than Philip, presumably with a completely different faith background. And the last thing Philip must have thought was that this guy would be reading the book of Isaiah and he'd have questions about the God of Israel. During this time, most of the early Christians thought that Jesus was pretty much exclusively the Messiah for the Jewish people. Although it was around this time that they began to understand that God's love and forgiveness 
wasn't just for a people of one culture, but for everyone. And you can read more about that, how that unfolded in the next few chapters in Acts. But despite what Philip may have assumed, God was at work behind the scenes. God was moving in this person's life. And Philip just came alongside to partner with what God was already doing. I want to encourage you to see your friends and your family and your neighbors through God's eyes. God is working behind the scenes. God is stirring hearts. God is raising up spiritual questions and spiritual hunger in people. And you can partner with what he's doing and help the people that God brings into your life. Pray that God would lead you into the right place at the right time to share your faith. Incidentally, sharing your faith, uh, it might not mean preaching a sermon, but simply showing and telling your faith wherever you are. And speaking to the teens, uh, I've just been encouraging them just to be open and honest about their faith. That might mean simply when someone asks you what you did in the weekend, to tell them that you were a part of church, Right? It might mean sharing about how something that you read in the Bible really helped or encouraged you. It might mean sharing a Christian perspective on something in conversation or being a help or an encouragement to somebody else. It might mean sharing a worship song or or something you're learning from the Bible on social media. It might mean inviting someone to join you at church on a Sunday or to an event like our recent Christmas production or candlelight service a community event like the bike rodeo, or something like our parents of preschoolers group that meets on Mondays. Just a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Grant shared about how he just went into a coffee shop and was reading a Christian book, and that even something that simple opened the door to have a conversation with someone. In Tom Rayner's book, The Unchurched Next Door, he found that 82% of people who don't have a church background or aren't a part of church would be likely to be a part of a Sunday service if they were invited. 82%, right? Similarly, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association says that 80% of people who come to faith in Jesus were invited by someone they knew, right? I know it's hard to believe, but church can be kind of spooky and mysterious for people. It's true. Uh, I help lead a youth network where a bunch of youth pastors and youth leaders from a bunch of different denominations, uh, we get together every month to encourage each other and pray for each other. Uh, And there's a few times where we've met at the Catholic Church uh, and joined for Mass. And even though we're all Christians, there's still a little bit of a barrier to entry there. Uh, because we don't regularly attend Mass or know all the liturgy and what to expect. Uh, And none of us wants to stand out like a sore thumb. You know, we don't want to be sitting when everyone else is standing or something like that, right? But thankfully, whenever we go to Mass together, my friend Kathy, who's a a Catholic youth leader, helps us to know what to expect. Uh, And she acts as a bit of a tour guide through the mass experience, answering questions, walking us through stuff, so we don't look or feel like complete morons. And I really appreciate that. I think that we can be that kind of tour guide in the lives of people we know. 
And if we extend an invitation for someone to join us, particularly on a Sunday, and we tell them, hey, I'm going to meet you at the door. I'll give you a tour. I'll introduce you to people. Uh, We can sit together. I can help answer any questions you might have uh, and make sure it's an enjoyable experience. All of that removes the barrier to entry, and it melts away some of the spookiness and apprehension about church. Even inviting someone to our cafe or to pickleball or uh, to something like pop can do that too uh, because it just helps remove some of the mystique that people might associate with a church building, especially if they've never been inside one before. And that's more and more the reality these days, right? Probably most of you in this room wouldn't feel comfortable just walking into a Buddhist temple or a mosque to be a part of their worship time. Theological differences aside, because it's totally foreign to you. And I think it's a good reminder that people with no faith background or a different faith background might feel the same about stepping into our church building and joining us on a Sunday, even if they're curious. You know, all of this really encourages me. This passage reminds me that we're in people's lives for a reason, that God can lead me to be in the right place at the right time to be a Philip to someone who has some questions or or needs some help in their faith journey. It reminds me to pray that God would set up this kind of divine appointment during my day and that I would see people through God's eyes instead of my pessimistic human eyes. Last thing I just want to talk about is I want to encourage you this year to start each day with expectation. Start your day with expectation. You know, if we're praying and asking God to open up opportunities for us to show and tell our faith, then we need to actually expect God to answer our prayers. When my kids were little, and I would take them to the playground, I would often pray as we walked there that God would open up an opportunity for me to get to know another parent, maybe share a bit about my faith with someone else. And what I found so helpful about praying that is that it kind of put me into the headspace where I was expecting God to actually do it, and so I was actually actively looking and watching for that kind of thing to happen. I'd encourage you to keep on doing that today. Start your day with expectation. Before you head to school or work, pray that God would use you to be a real help or encouragement to someone. And then head into your day expecting it to happen. Be mindful and treat every interaction with others as something that God just might be setting up behind the scenes. Just to wrap up this morning, you know, we have got a new year ahead of us. And I'm believing that God is going to do some amazing things in our lives and in our church. And every day, we rub shoulders with people who have spiritual questions. God is moving, and he's working in people's lives, even if it doesn't seem obvious on the outside. And we can be a part of helping people we encounter come to know the God who loves them. But just as a recap, there's a few things we can do this year to partner with what God wants us to do. We need to ensure that we're spiritually healthy, that we're growing in our faith, 
We need to make sure that we're growing deeper in our understanding of God and his word, not only for our own benefit, but so that we're prepared to help others and answer questions they might have. If you would be someone who would be absolutely panicked if someone were to ask you how you can believe in God when there's so much evil and injustice in the world, or, or how you can believe in stuff that isn't very scientific, right? Or if they simply ask you why your faith is important to you, if that would put you into a sweat, then it might be like a little reminder that you need to really think through those questions yourself and, and dig a bit deeper into your faith. We need to pray. We need to ask God to lead us to be in the right place at the right time to help someone who has faith questions. That the things that we say and do would point people to the God who loves them. And then we need to have a sense of expectation every day, actively watching for when God will answer those prayers and looking at every conversation or interaction with people as an opportunity to let help others, help others along in their journey of faith. I thank you, God, that just like for the Ethiopian official, you are moving behind the scenes. You are working in people's lives. You are stirring hearts, even if it's not obvious to us on the outside. You are prompting spiritual questions in people. And I pray that we would see more of that this year in the lives of people we cross paths with. God, we've been reminded today that we should take care of ourselves spiritually. And I pray, God, that we would set aside time every day and throughout the year to grow in our faith, to learn from your word. And I pray that 2024 would be a year where we thrive in our faith and grow closer to you than ever before. And as I say that, God, uh, I realize there might be people here this morning who, you know, if they were honest, they would just say, to tell you the truth, my spiritual health isn't all that good right now. Or I don't feel close to God at all. I feel pretty far away from him. And if that's the case, I thank you that we can just echo this prayer in our hearts and just say, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for wanting a close relationship with me. And I acknowledge today that things aren't right between me and you. Please forgive me for my sin, the wrong things that I say and do, those things that build up a wall between us. And I ask, God, that you would make me spiritually clean, that you would give me a fresh start as I begin this new year. I invite you into my life. This morning, I want to open the door and let you in, as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you. Help me to say and do the things that you want me to say and do. I want to grow and thrive in my relationship with you this year. Help me to spend quality time with you. That I would spend time in your word. That I'd talk to you on a regular basis. That I'd put an effort into making sure that my faith doesn't grow stale and stagnant, but that it's alive and vibrant, not just for my own benefit, but as we talked about, so that we can be a help to others, to help others along in their journey of faith. I thank you, God, that it's just that easy, just echoing that prayer in our heart. It's just that easy to have things made right between me and you.
And God, I just pray that this year you would lead us into people's lives, just like Philip, to show them your love, to point others to you through our words, through our actions. And I pray, God, that we would expect you to actually do that and to open up opportunities for us to, sh to show and tell our faith each day. God, I pray that we would see every encounter with someone, whether it's someone in the checkout line or it's a, a conversation at work or it's someone we're talking to at the bus stop, that we would look at every opportunity as maybe something that you're working at behind the scenes. Help us to not take for granted even the small conversations, the small interactions we might have for, with others. And God, I just thank you so much for your love. Uh, and the privilege it is to know and follow you. Uh, and I pray, God, that we would represent you well this year. God, that you would use us to draw people close to the God who loves them like crazy. Oh, God, help us to keep watching and have each day be full of expectation that you're going to do something great through us. And I thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.